This is Sermons by the Park from Union Congregational Church in East Walpole, Massachusetts. I'm Pastor Aaron Shepherd, and I want to thank you for listening and taking the time to hear the message and the good news of Jesus Christ that we have to offer here at Union. Our current sermon series is called Courageous because faith in Jesus is not simply about what we believe, but about putting those beliefs into action. And that takes courage. Here's this week's message. The first scripture reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Jesus Christ. For in every way you have been enriched by him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, even as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to that end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. May God add a blessing to the reading of this word. As we come now to the preaching moment, I invite you to join me in a moment of prayer together. Let us pray. Gracious God, we are indeed glad that they said to us, let us go to the house of the Lord. I am glad today, God, to be in the midst of your people gathered in this little corner of your beloved community. Pray now that you would help me to speak with clarity and vitality, that in my words there may be heard your word. Grant now that I may not seek so much to be understood as to understand with your people here and that it may be your word and your glory that are revealed in this preaching moment. Diminish me so that you may be magnified, and let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts here be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. On a sunny afternoon in Chicago in June of 2022, A young man named Anthony Perry was stepping off the train at the 69th Street station when he saw two men who were fighting with each other. And as he watched, the men tumbled over the edge of the station platform and onto the tracks below. The man who landed on top continued to to pummel the other man until the other man started to convulse up and down. And then he jumped back because he realized that They had landed on the third rail, the electrified third rail that powers the train. 600 volts of electricity were coursing through the man's body now. Help him, someone shouted from the platform. And it was like a starting gun setting off a race. Anthony immediately reacted. He jumped down and he high-stepped over the rails to reach the man whose nearly lifeless body was still convulsing up and down as the electricity went through him. And in that moment, two fearful thoughts passed through his mind. First, had the train conductor seen him? And would the, or would the train start moving again and run him over? And speaking of that man on, on the rail, how was he going to get him off the third rail? But as those fearful thoughts ran through his mind, Anthony 
reached down, and he grabbed the man's wrist to pull him to safely. Only when he did that, the shock running through the man's body ran into his body. And so he pulled back. But then he, he went again, and he reached and he grabbed the man's wrist. He pulled a second time, got him a little farther off the rail, but still not far enough before he couldn't endure the shock anymore. Finally, he grabbed him a third time. And fighting through that 600 volts of electricity, he pulled the man free and dragged him to safely. Miraculously, the man was still raggedly breathing. But Anthony heard a woman on the platform who was wearing scrubs yell out to him, give him chest compressions. So he started doing what he had seen on TV. He didn't really know how to do CPR, but he pumped up and down on the man's chest. And a, and a moment later, paramedics arrived at the scene and took over. And Anthony climbed up onto the platform and vanished into the crowd and continued on his way. Of all the people that were there on the platform that day, Anthony Perry was the one who was willing to act. What made him do it? According to him, anyway, by his own testimony, he said, the word I'll use is faith. He said it was faith over fear. And that's not just regular faith, I think. That is a courageous faith. And courageous faith is what I would like to speak about for the next few moments here, what it means to have a courageous faith. Our gospel text this morning is from Luke chapter 8, verses 43 to 48, and it is a story of courageous faith in at least two ways. So let's continue to listen together for God's word here for us today. As he, Jesus, went along, the crowds pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. And though she had spent all she had on physicians, no one could cure her. But she came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his clothes. And immediately her hemorrhage stopped. Then Jesus asked, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you. They're pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I noticed that power had gone out from me. When the woman saw that she could not remain hidden, she came, trembling. And falling down before him, she declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. May God add a blessing to this word. This too is courageous faith. The story of the woman who came to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, it's no less a story of courageous faith than Anthony Perry's selfless act in Chicago. It took courage for her to brave the crowd that day, to reach out and to touch Jesus. By the Levitical laws that ruled the society at that time, her medical condition, her hemorrhages, would have rendered this woman spiritually and socially unclean. For 12 long years, this woman with the issue of blood, as the old King James refers to her, she would have been a social pariah. She would have been an outcast. She would have been alone and isolated. 
But then she heard that Jesus was coming to town. And when she heard of the miraculous things that he had been doing, she braved the uncomfortable closeness of that crowd. She chose faith over fear. And it's not just any faith. It's a courageous faith. It was Nelson Mandela, the Southern Afri South African freedom fighter and the first African president of that nation after the end of apartheid. He said, courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. You see, fear is a natural response in dangerous situations or situations we perceive as dangerous. Fear is a physiological phenomenon. It comes to us by, by, by design. In the Bible, the forward phrase we hear again and again is, do not be afraid. But usually, before we get to those words, someone is afraid. When God came to Abram, the father of faith, Abram was afraid, and, and God said to him, do not be afraid. In, in, later in Genesis, when Joseph, his brothers come to him, after they had sold him into slavery years and years ago, and, and they realize that he had risen from that position to be the chief minister of Egypt, his brothers come to him, and they are afraid of the revenge he would seek on him. But Joseph says to them, do not be afraid. Am I in the position of God? Am I the one to condemn you? And of course, when the angel Gabriel came to Mary to tell her that she would give birth to the Son of God, at first she was afraid too. And when the whole heavenly host appeared to a group of ragtag shepherds out in the fields to announce the birth of the Savior, they were not just afraid, they were terrified. See, fear comes as naturally to us as breathing does. But like our breath, we can learn to control it. It takes training, it takes practice, but we can manage our fear, and, and that is what courage is. The effective management of fear and its close cousin, doubt. This nameless woman who had suffered for 12 years, she had been told by every physician and every magician and every priest and every Levite that had come through town to try this cure or that cure. She'd spent all of her money and still had not gotten any better. And perhaps there had come a time when she had lost hope that her hemorrhages would ever go away, that she would ever be healed and made whole again. But she heard about this Jesus this Jesus character who was different than those other magicians and physicians. She heard about Jesus and something moved in her spirit. And she made a name for herself that day by overcoming her fears and her doubts. In Mark's gospel, the story includes the woman saying something to herself. She says, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Not I might be healed, not I could be healed. I will be healed. Her clarity of intention and the strength to follow through on that intention, that is courage. That's what courageous faith looks like. But let me push a bit further. 
For this text reveals to us three specific things that courageous faith can do for us. And the first thing that courageous faith does for us is it allows us, like the woman in the story, to meet Jesus. Have you met Jesus? Most folks, whether churched or unchurched, are acquainted with Jesus. They've heard about Jesus. They think he's a pretty righteous dude. Maybe they know he he told people to love their neighbors as themselves. They might have an inkling that he has some sort of relationship to the idea of God, but, but to be acquainted with Jesus is not really to have met Jesus. Think about the scene in the gospel. There are crowds of people surrounding Jesus. They are all there to see Jesus. They had been waiting for him, it says in verse 1 of the chapter. In other places in the gospel, we hear about how people of all sorts, with all sorts of ailments, would come and seek out Jesus to get a healing from him or something. But then there were others who came in the crowd too. There were the skeptics, there were the Pharisees and the experts in the law, the religious authorities. They were in the crowd too because they were wary of Jesus. The crowd pressed in, but how many of them really met Jesus? His disciples, the ones who were the closest to him, the ones who, who knew him, they'd met Jesus. But in this story, what the disciples are doing is they're trying to keep the crowd at bay. They're trying to keep them back so Jesus can be on his way. He is, in fact, on his way somewhere. He's been met by a man named Jairus, who's the leader of the synagogue in this town. Jairus has come and told Jesus that his 12-year-old daughter is on the brink of death, and he needs Jesus to come and heal her. And so Jesus goes with the man. Of course, everyone in that crowd, they had something that they wanted from Jesus, too. They all wanted to meet Jesus, but the disciples thought that the mission was to save Jairus' daughter, and so they pushed the throng of folks away. That's where the throng of folks went wrong, though, and where we so often go wrong today. They pressed in towards Jesus to see him and to touch him. They wanted to meet Jesus, but they wanted to meet him face to face, at eye level. And I think that's where a lot of people want to meet Jesus today. They want to look up or look ahead and see Jesus right in front of them. But this story shows us that a courageous faith allows us to meet Jesus in a different way. The woman who came did not meet Jesus at eye level. She met him at foot level, just above his feet. She reached out and she touched the tzitzit. These are the little fringes that hang at the bottom of the talit, a traditional religious undergarment that Jesus would have had on over his clothes. Those, those seat seat, they hang just above the ankle. They're, they're close down to the ground. To touch them, she would have had to be close down by the ground. If you look at the front of your bulletins, you'll see this image. Uh, it's a painting called The Encounter. It's actually a fresco on the wall of a chapel in a town called Magdala in Israel. And in Bible study this week, Mary shared with us having seen this painting in person. And it's striking on the cover of your bulletin, but can you imagine now this is 10 feet tall and 20 feet wide? 
It's, it's almost like, honey, I shrunk the kids. We're down there at that foot level, and the first thing you see are the feet. And they're big, and they're all packed in there together. But then you see this pale and haggard hand reaching out to touch the fringe of Jesus' garment. And there at foot level is where this woman meets Jesus. The, the chapel is in Magdala because the tradition goes that it wasn't just any old woman who touched the fringe of his garment. It was Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdala, who was the one who reached out and was healed. And we know her name because she met Jesus. That's where a lot of people met Jesus during his earthly ministry, down, down in the dirt, not, not while they were looking up to the heavens or even walking into a church. Most of all, if not all of the people, they truly came to know the saving grace of Jesus when they were at their lowest, when they were down and out. Because when you're down, you get kicked and you get dirty and you become less and less appealing to your friends that you once had and those whose lives you once shared. It's in that isolating and lonely experience that people need to meet something greater than themselves in the experience of losing stability of a job or a relationship or, or grieving or facing a chronic health problem. The kinds of things that lay people low are the kinds of things that put them at the level where they can meet Jesus. Down in the darkness, the spark of faith generates the most heat and light. And the question we have to ask ourselves here today is whether we're the kind of folks who want to meet Jesus at eye level, comfortable, upright, dignified, or if instead we can muster the courageous fate to meet Jesus at foot level, to get down in the dust and the dirt, to reach into the muck and mire of life and the fetid and foul places of society and risk getting dirty, risk getting electrocuted, risk getting kicked or stepped on so that we can meet Jesus too. And if we can risk that, when we do, what we see is that courageous faith creates something. It creates a change. For Mary, the change was a healing from this hemorrhage. But it was more than just a healing in her body. It was a healing in her spirit. She had been made whole because she would no longer be deemed an outcast now. She had been made whole because now she could be part of something bigger than herself. And while she had struggled to get in there between the feet to touch the fringe of Jesus' garment, all it took was just that one little touch. It's amazing how a little Jesus can go a really long way. Jesus taught that it didn't take faith like a mountain to be saved. He said that with faith the size of a mustard seed, we could move mountains. And that gives me hope gives me hope for the church because I know of a body that has been hemorrhaging, not just for 12 years, but for generations. I know of a body that has been leaking life for a long time now, and no doctor or consultant or priest or prophet seems to have the cure. I know a body that faces the potential of financial collapse and social irrelevance every single day. I know that body. And if the gospel has anything to say to that body today, it is that it needs to get off its high horse and get down on its hands and knees and meet Jesus. 
I'm speaking, of course, about the church. I'm speaking about this church, but not just this church. I heard this week about a church not far from here. It's Hyde Park Presbyterian in Natick. This is a small church like this church. And uh, since the beginning of this calendar year, there has been uh, about 6,000 families that have arrived from other countries in Massachusetts to seek asylum and a new beginning for their lives. And the governor has put out a call and called this a crisis that needs to be addressed by the government and anyone willing to help. And this church, this little church, heard that call and they answered it. In one weekend this past June, they transformed three of their Sunday school rooms with donations of of furniture and linens into temporary housing for immigrant families who had recently arrived in the country. And since they did that, they have welcomed 16 families into their building, fed them, clothed them, helped them to get started in their new life, and there are more on the way. Now, perhaps it's because many of the members of that church are themselves immigrants from from countries in West Africa. And they know the firsthand experience of being in a new country and all the fear and the uncertainty that comes with that. That might have been why they heard that call for help so clearly. But acquaintance with that reality, empathy for it, is not enough to actually make you act. It takes something more. And I think that something more is a courageous faith. And I only know that story. I only know that story because I happened to hear the minister and one of the members of the church tell that story about their church, about the work that they're doing. You see, when the woman had been healed, Jesus knew something had happened. He had felt power go out from him. It was like a circuit connecting. It was like an electric moment, and he knew that someone had been healed. But instead of rushing on, he stopped, and he paused. And in that pause, that waiting, that's a sacred thing. Psalm 46, verse 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God, and I will be exalted among the nations. First there came the stillness, and then exaltation. When the woman saw that she could not remain hidden, it says, she came trembling. She was afraid again. But she fell down before him, and she declared in the presence of all of the people why she had touched him and how she had been healed. Now, many, many people fear speaking in public. In fact, by one survey's account, speaking in public is the number one fear that people have. The second fear is death, (laughs) which means that many people would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy at the funeral. I think the thing people fear most about public speaking, though, is that vulnerability. But a courageous faith embraces vulnerability. Having just gotten up out of the dirt, Mary had thought she would just fade away into the crowd. But if she'd done that, think about what might have happened. Would people have believed her when they told, when she told them that she had been healed? Would all the folks who had written her off suddenly welcome her back? Would she have been able to restore her relationships, her place in society with a secret healing? 
Jesus' pause was her invitation to share the good news far and wide. And so she courageously gets down at foot level once again, not in desperation, but in worship. See, when we've met Jesus, when you have really met Jesus, you are changed by that encounter. And the first thing, the most natural thing to do, I think, is to give praise and glory and honor to God. But the next thing, the next thing is what the woman does. The next thing is to testify to what Jesus has done. She told everyone there why she had crawled through the legs of that crowd and under the feet of the crowd to get to Jesus. She reveals that she, a ritually impure woman, had touched the good rabbi's ritually pure clothes, thereby making him impure. It was a crime. It was a sin. People would have perceived it as that. But she admits it openly. And then she says that by that touch, she was healed. And such is the grace of Jesus Christ that even the impure and the unchurched and the doubters and the fearful, they are all welcome to come. But they have to have a kind of courageous faith to meet Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote in the letter that Pam read for us that, that what makes him glad about the church is when it is enriched by the presence of Christ in our midst. Enriched in both speech, he says, and knowledge. A church is a place where people come to learn and to understand and to know Jesus better, yes, but it is also a place where people speak openly about Jesus. That is a church that is light, and salt to the world. That is a church that is not hemorrhaging, but healing, because it is willing to own and to claim the source of its healing. Testifying about the gospel of Jesus Christ may not always cater to the needs of everyone in every moment. It may not cater to the needs of the culture. It may not be about telling people what they want to hear. But a church that is on mission, not just to go somewhere else to do something else, but to stop and to heed those who are down in the dirty parts of life that are close at hand. A church that is on a mission like that, that is a church that fosters a courageous faith. And so on this All In Sunday, as I look out at all of your lovely faces, I think to myself, a full church, a wonderful choir, a Sunday school, it's a good start. But as for me, I, I came this morning because I have a message not just for the folks who are gathered here. I came to preach today because maybe there is someone here who is feeling that loneliness, who is in that lonely and lowly place. I came to preach and to tell that person who is exhausted by being alone because when you're alone, you have to do everything for yourself, and that is exhausting. But... But I came to talk to the person who is sick and tired and who is sick and tired of being sick and tired because that's what this story is about. This story is an assurance that if, if you would just reach out from right where you are at that low and lonely place, Jesus is within reach. He is not up in heaven. He is not even at the level of this vaulted cross, but he is down there at foot level He's down there at your level.
And it only takes a little faith and a little courage to meet Jesus in that lonesome place. Ours may be a big God out to save the world, a big mission, but ours is also a gracious God who is willing to take the time to heal each and every one of us. I came to speak to the doubters and to the lukewarm folks, the folks who, folks who wonder and question. You can have your questions. You can have your doubts. If you don't know all the answers, that's fine. Faith doesn't demand perfect understanding. What it demands is trust to step out and to lean in to follow Jesus. I came to tell somebody here who has known the grace of God in their life but has kept that good news to themselves, I came to tell you that that is too good of a gift for you not to share. You have to tell people about what Jesus has done for you, about who don't know that you're a Christian. Well, consider this your invitation to let them know, to share that good news. I came to preach this morning. I came to preach to a church that does have the cross at the center of its vision, the cross a symbol of God's sacrificial grace, the confounding symbol of Jesus' courageous victory over the forces of this world, and the courageous faith that we should be inspired to have through him. I came to preach to a church that may not be what it once was and may never be that again, but whatever the church will be, it will be what Christ wants it to be. This place shall be a place of healing and hope for all. This place shall be a place where people can be fed in body and spirit. With a courageous faith, we can be a caring community that is first and foremost connected through God. Because ultimately it is not in us, but in God, that we find the source of the courageous faith that enables the church to love and serve all along life's journey. May we hear this word and live that vision with a courageous faith. Amen. Thank you for listening. I hope that this week's message has been a blessing to you. It has been a blessing to share it with you. To learn more about Union, you can visit our website, churchbythepark.org. Or you can follow us on social media by looking for at Church by the Park. Our theme music is by Anno Domini Beats. Until next time, may God's grace and peace.